Welcome to Reteach, a place where professors know that student equity gaps can be closed and are willing to put in the work to figure it out. We are dedicated to our teaching and our students. We are passionate about improving our classrooms and our communities. We can make a difference. We will make a difference. I am your host, Bruce Hoskins, and my mind and heart are ready to learn. So what's up, everyone? So look, so in this episode, I am going to be unapologetically black. Now look, when I say that, that should make you wonder, has Bruce ever had to apologize for being black before? And the answer is yes. But I'm not going to talk about that on this episode. Um, I will save that for uh, another discussion. But the reason I'm going to be unapologetically black is because I am going to talk about black excellence and the need for black excellence and understanding that black excellence is quantifiably and substantially different than excellence all by itself. Okay. now here's the deal is that I'm not going to say it's better or whatever, but I do say, and I will repeat that it is different, quantifiably different than excellence all by itself, right? And so let me ground this in the academic, right? Or in, you know, college campuses and things like this, because um, this conversation about black excellence uh, has a lot to do with why do we need a black history course? Why do we need Mexican-American history? Why do we need Asian-American history? Why do we need those kind of courses? And the reason why we need those kind of courses is because the definition of history all by itself is not big enough to include our experiences. Now, here's the deal. I want our definition of history to be big enough to bring everyone's experiences up to the front. And yet at the same time, I understand that that is not what it is now. Therefore, that's why we need black history. We need Mexican-American history. Or history. We need Asian-American history. And when we think about this, this also fits in this idea of, right, with black graduations and, you know, Latinx graduations and things like that. It's like, well, why do we need a Latinx graduation? Uh, why do we need a black graduation? And it's like, look, you, we have to understand something is that there's there's different celebrations for different things. Right. And we all know that it's like, look. We understand that when people are explorers and trailblazers, that they get different recognition than people who have walked a pathway that has been well-worn and well-trodden and all of that stuff. When you're walking, uh, when you're walking or even running on a well-defined uh, path, that is very different than people who are explorers and trailblazers. And what I need you to understand is that when you are black, you are a trailblazer. You are an explorer in a land that is very foreign to you, even if your parents are already, um, you know, you're not a first generation college student or something like that. Even in those spaces, we're still journeying uh, into spaces that are uh, at times very alien uh, to us and whatnot. And this is me. This is my story in regards. To, well, my my parents, they didn't have a, a college education at the time that I was going through college um, and whatnot. But. Uh, you know, coming into a space that is, uh, you know, predominantly white. Well, that's the experience of my life. Right. But in thinking about that. Right. It's like I still have to navigate this space. I have to explore this space. I have to trailblaze for people and whatnot in spaces that people uh, with from different backgrounds, that this is a well defined experience. Right. Um, I still struggle at times with uh, helping people and or having people understand is like, look, I was the smart kid back in high school. 
Um, I was the smart kid back in high school who didn't make it to college straight into a four year college because of a lot of stuff that happened. And so when people think about, you know, the smart black kids, they're going to make it. And it's like, look, that's not an automatic. Not only is that not an automatic, but like I said, my life is a living testament to how that's not automatic. Right. Especially when you don't have all the, the support and love um, and whatnot uh, that comes from all these other spaces um, and everything. And so, you know, and so if we're talking about black graduations and whatnot, it's like understand it's like, look, we're talking about explorers and we need to have different recognition for folks who are doing this exploration and trailblazing. And the thing that we should continuously um, have problems with is that, yes, it is 2020. Right. And yet we can still say that black people still have to be trailblazers in these spaces that for a lot of folks are well-worn, well-trodden, very routine, very part of expectations of the space and whatnot. Yes, that is what that is what's happening. And that's why black excellence needs to continue to exist. Right. That we, we, we haven't closed that gap yet of being able to recognize what excellence really should be when we include black experiences. Right. And so, you know, and I and I get it. There's some folks, you know, and there's some folks in the mix that would even say it's like, look, well, why can't we all be just Americans? Look, the very fact that you have to ask me that question lets me know that you don't believe that we're all Americans in the first place. And so check your privilege on that. Right. I mean, for real, check your privilege on that and really see that when I'm talking about this is like, look, black excellence. When we really get down to this, black excellence moves in different spaces and has to move differently than just excellence, because we not only carry our communities on our back. Right. Because that's something that excellence doesn't have to do. When we talk about excellence, just in general, excellence doesn't have to carry anyone else with it. Generally speaking, excellence doesn't have to carry anyone else with it. Black excellence, by definition, is you have to carry your community along with you. And so even if we're running the same race, if I have my community on my back, that lets you know already that I am being weighed by this. Right. This is not a fair race, if you would. And yet still we as black people, as a black community, as black excellence, we still strive to win that race, even with the community on our backs. The other part of this, if that were not enough, the other part of black excellence is understanding that our excellence is always being pushed against, is being imposed upon, is being held back by white supremacy, like active hands pushing, active things, active active politics, active things that are happening in our lives and in our communities and in our bodies that when we talk about black excellence, it's like, look, so not only is it our community that we're talking about that we have on our backs, but it's also the active pushing back, the active oppression of white supremacy that happens in our lives. Even to this day, by the way, just in case you catching up with all the statistics and the actual research that's in the spot. Right. And so anyway, be that as it may, um, all of this was just to get to a space where I have this poem that I wrote, which honestly is really not that much of a poem It's really much more like a speech that has a lot of poetic devices in it, but it was about black excellence and the difference between excellence and black excellence. And so, you know, with that, um, I'm going to read through this. 
um, and whatnot. And and don't be surprised. It's probably going to be like a part two on this uh, because it is what it is. And so here's so here's the so I'm going to read through the poem. Right. And so I'm going to talk to you all through this. Um, and then at the very end, I'm going to just do the poem. And so then excellence is Steffi Groff. Black excellence, Serena Williams. Right now. So, you know, just stepping off and thinking about that. Right. It's like so Serena Williams, not only is she a black body in white space. Right. But she's also playing a sport that's not necess- that's not culturally acceptable in the space that she grew up in. Right. And so that is a continued struggle. Right. A continued. Right. That's that's it's not only fighting through whiteness. It's also fighting through the fact that this is not a popular sport amongst in the black community for a lot of different reasons. And I know it's like folks will you know, you can say whatever you want to say about that um, and whatnot. But it's like there's a reason why we don't send our kids to the country club. So, yeah, just let that right sink in. Right. Excellence is Captain America. Black excellence is Luke Cage. Right. And I pick Captain America on purpose because, you know, when we think about being a superhero um, and all that, Captain America, he is definitely like at the pinnacle. Honestly, it's like, you know, it's like he's he's one of the pinnacle ideals of what a superhero is supposed to be. And that is someone who is white behind this mask who's fighting for America and all of that and who's super powered and everything. And yet at the same time, I wonder, right, about that as you, as you think about, right, the narrative of Luke Cage, which his parent, right, it's like Captain America, he, he accepted his journey. He accepted what was being done to his body uh, to whatever degree um, in order to become Captain America. He accepted that, that that mantle, if you would, he accepted the super hero serum and all of that. And, you know, I'm going real nerd nerd level on this. Well, Luke Cage was experimented on and he became great afterwards, almost on accident. So we think about those narratives, right? Think about that. Think about that within the, uh, you know, a history of American, you know, within American history and whatnot. This is this is something to really think about, like who Luke Cage is. Right. Um, and whatnot. And look, and you, if you don't know who Luke Cage is, you better get your Netflix account right and get that. It's, it's on it's on Netflix. And so get that squared away right now. But stop listening right now and watch Luke Cage for you to understand who I'm talking about. But anyway, um, and so real talk. Right. And so this is so. So when we talk about becoming the person that we are, the narrative is even different. And so when we talk about black excellence, how we became black at excellence is the narrative is different than what made excellence excellent. And so then excellence is Asgard. Black excellence is Wakanda. And, you know, I remember people like getting all upset with like black people. Kid you not. This was like trending and stuff like that, where like white people were like, man, black people, they so happy about Wakanda. They act like it's real. And I'm like, yo, y'all acting like Asgard is real. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like it, it was it was just funny that white people got upset that black people were happy about Wakanda when we already have Thor and all the other Greek mythologies and other mythologies that are other because I think the Thor or Asgard is like Norse um, and whatnot. But, you know, and so it's like it's just weird that people got like, yo, y'all act like this is real. And it's like, yo, I don't know if any of this is real. So why are y'all coming at us like that? Just saying. Right. Excellence does his homework. 
Black excellence does his homework waiting for the opportunity to finally speak its mind. That was me through all of my high school. Uh, well, actually through all my educational career. It's like I keep doing my homework waiting for opportunities to speak about my experiences and the experiences that, you know, the the things that I've experienced in my communities and whatnot. And it seems like we were much more dedicated to reading the research versus hearing the voices of people in those spaces. Excellence inspires critical thinking. Black excellence wonders how guns get into our communities when we don't own gun shops. Inner cities don't have poppy fields. Being black and male shapes 10 years off of my life and why black people have a higher infant mortality rate even after you control for poverty. Now, see, that's definitely not <laughs> that's definitely not a poem. It's it, there's some poetic parts in it, but it's like this is just literally a, a speech part, right? Where I'm just like, th- these are things that that black people wonder about all the time, all the time. And uh, when we bring our critical thinking into spaces, uh, the vast majority of the time, especially when you don't, when you know, in the K through twelve system, the vast majority of the time, these thought processes, these critical thinking elements, get shut down versus explored and amplified, right? It's like, look, we got plenty of things that we critically think about. As a matter of fact, if you listen to hip hop and if you listen to black comedians, not black people who are comedians, but not black people who are comedians, but black comedians, you will understand that we critically think about our world all the time. Excellence hates gang violence. Black excellence agrees, but what you call a gang is just my community, my family. But who's the most dangerous gang to us is the police. Now, look. And so this comes in the space of a lot of Black Lives Matter uh, cases and things like that where, you know, black people, unarmed Black men and women are shot and killed by police officers. And it's like, what is the definition of a gang? What's the definition of a thug? And those are the kind of things that black bodies have to deal with all the time. And so even even me in an academic space, it's like when I say things the way I say them, when I say them with this black voice, a lot of times it's it's interpreted as thuggery. And I'm like, y'all have no idea. And yet at the same time, it's like, well, that's the interpretation of my body in this space. That's the interpretation of my voice in this space. And so, you know what? Maybe it is thuggery then, but it's not my own. It's not by my own invention or my own creation. And then, you know, this this line about the the the, the police. I said the police, the police. <laughs> anyway, that was funny to me. You know, I, I have a friend. Um, I've known him since we, we, we met each other in community college and we've been best friends for over two decades, right? He's a white dude who he's a free thinker. He's not conservative nor liberal or whatever. He's just, he just, he doesn't have any political affiliation. Um, and yet at the same time, him and I, we butt heads with each other on things like this all the time. And, um, there was a moment, you know, I was, he was at my, you know, we, we're, we're best friends. And so it's like, he was at the new year's Eve party and we were playing, you know, you know, poker or something like that. And there was this moment where, um, I said something like, you know what, I ain't no snitch or something like that. And my friend, remember he's white. 
he says to his son, who's, you know, white also. And he was like, you know, he says directly to his son, it's like, you know what? There's no snitching thing. It actually makes communities worse than if you were to snitch and tell. And then I said nothing because I didn't feel like it was the time or the place. I mean, shoot, it was my New Year's Eve party. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I wasn't trying to go in. And yet I've thought about this and I'm sure he has not thought about this, but I have thought about this a lot since that day. And this is probably two years ago now that I'm thinking about it. And I've said this to him on different occasions, but I wish I would have thought to say it then at that space and talk to his son directly and say, hey, you know what? I get the whole thing about snitching and thinking that your community is going to be better. But black people, we can't afford the luxury of thinking that we can trust police officers with our lives like white people can. Excellence is Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio. Black excellence is Jackie Robinson, Hall of Fame player in a world that did not want him but needed him. Can you imagine accomplishing Hall of Fame status with a whole fan base and like where almost the whole sport, including the fan base, including the owners, hate you? That to me is like the epitome of black excellence. Excellence stays in school to receive an education. Black excellence knows our ancestors learning to read was a rebellion. Recently, we had Tim Wise come onto our campus. And um, if you don't know who he is, catch a late pass, go to YouTube, figure it out. Um, He's a white dude who speaks about whiteness. Dude is amazing. Dude is is amazing. And um, the reason why I'm I'm thinking of him as this uh, talking about this rebellion is just he reminded me um, and talked about how black people have to actually have different goals in the educational system than white people do, especially in the beginning. That the idea of thinking that us learning how to read was going to somehow give us a better like middle class lifestyle, that was completely not the reason. That was completely false, right? Us learning how to read was an extension of of us understanding our human desire to learn. And our and that rebellion in our heart that this world is telling us that we're not human and yet we are grappling and grabbing on to the things that would make us all human. And that is the ability to learn and the desire to push through and all of these things. And so, you know, that was that's that's where I think on, you know, when it comes to this rebellion, that when if you, if you don't understand that from an equity standpoint, that black people, when you're talking to black people about what education is supposed to be for, you can't just go with, yo, you're going to get this education and you're going to live this cushy middle class life. That's not necessarily true. Yes, you are going to get to this middle class lifestyle because that's where I'm at right now. It's like I'm this professor at Maricosta. And the thing is, though, is that my students, my black students specifically, my black students still see me struggle with white supremacy and racism on this campus all the time. 
And so and that I struggle and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there's racist on our campus. What I'm telling you is that institutional racism is thoroughly embedded on this campus, as in many other campuses, if not all campuses across the nation. And so therefore, I can't think to myself when I have this goal, when I am talking to black students, I can't tell you, yo, this is going to be the freaking pot of gold at the end of your rainbow. This is the beginning of a lifelong journey of struggle. But hopefully your financial situation won't be as bad as if you didn't have this degree. And the difference that you can make can happen on a very different and hopefully bigger level so that you can help trailblaze for other people so that they don't have to become the explorers again in spaces that you have already gone to. And so that's where this next line comes in. Excellence is running like you want to win the race. Black excellence is racing, knowing that the entire game is rigged against you. You run two miles to their one and yet you still try to win. That's what I think of when I think of black excellence. The game is rigged against you. And yet we are invested in still trying to win in ways that defy logic. Because we're not using our logic, you, you can't use our logic to explain why we race, why we run as hard as we do. You have to understand our spirit. You have to understand our hopes and our dreams. You have to understand our history. That's why black excellence is what it is because excellence is not big enough to actually understand what it means to be black and excellent both at the same time. So I'm going to stop this episode now because I'm looking at the time and I'm already over. It's like I'm already in that sweet spot of where I normally stop an episode. And yet I have so much more to talk about. And so I'm going to go ahead and stop there. And, um, and I'm going to take the rest of this up in part two. So hopefully you learned something. Peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of reteach. If you want to learn more about me or my open source introduction to sociology textbook, please go to brucehoskins.com. In closing, I want to leave us all with a question. If you learned something today that you think would help close your student equity gaps, how long will it take to incorporate this into your classroom? A year? A semester? Next month? Today? No matter the timetable, we must commit ourselves to becoming better teachers. Our students deserve it all of them, not just the ones that are good already.